0: Hi everybody, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Today we speak with Conrad Sam, president and founder of Mockingbird Marketing. He joins the show to talk about his commitment to transparency and clarity on salary and compensation, specifically what that looks like and how it's reported and communicated out to both employees and candidates. We dig into the history of it, when and how it began, how he established baselines, and why it's been so valuable for the firm and for the team. We wrap by discussing how compensation transparency has changed over time as his team grows both in size and in depth of knowledge and how it's changed as his org chart becomes more complex and incorporates more specialized functions. Agency Unfiltered, coming at you right now. Hey, Conrad. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How you doing?
1: Hey, it's super cool to be here. I have listened to so many of these, and uh, it's nice to be on the other side.
0: I appreciate that. Uh, where are you dialing in from? Where are we uh, where are we connecting from today?
1: So I am outside of the, the kind of the outskirts of Seattle, right, as close as I can get to the mountains, but also be able to get into the office, which I don't get into anymore because there's this thing called COVID. So it sounds what, like this? you can get
0: closer to the mountains then, if you'd like. Oh, I,
1: <laughs> it sounds like you've been listening into my conversations with my wife.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, now we we talked about this the other day, but just to like really stamp it into the podcast here too, I've been to Seattle one time, uh, and that was to get to the Gorge Amphitheater in George ah. Washington, which is in the center of the state. Uh, and that was to see the Dave Matthews Band, an experience I think everybody should do at least
1: once. Yeah. Um, the the Gorge is one of the most unbelievable outdoor music venues in the country. I, I, I'll i put it up against anything. It is, it is fantastic. And to be completely stereotypically classic Seattle, if you see Dave Matthews Band anywhere, see Dave Matthews Band at the Gorge.
0: I mean, it's the, it's the Mecca, right? And like, they know what they're doing with the venue too, how you like walk up the hill and then it reveals itself, the cliff side. So like, they know what they're doing. It's a great place.
1: It's almost like mother nature did this just to impress us,
0: <laughs> Just to let Dave Matthews band have totally. a three day Labor Day yeah. weekend concert series every day. <laughs> um, comrades, I mean, I could spend, I could fill a whole, whole podcast just talking about, you know, the gorge, but, uh, and D- Dave Matthews band. But today we're here to talk about something really cool with, with you and your firm. And it's, uh, like intentional transparency and visibility and, and clarity into you know salary and compensation across the team um, kick us off with like what what does that what
1: does that look like well it it was it 's something that happened a little bit by default uh, by mistake it wasn 't intentional for on my part but when i when i when I hired the second person that I hired is a guy named Rob Williams. He still works with me. This go- So this goes back to 2014 when he came on board. He came from a larger agency. Uh, and he was bitter. And one of the things that he was bitter about... It's a good was vibe fact- to be
0: bringing into a new gig. You know? Totally. Like,
1: yeah. come on, baby. Um, no, but but it was really... We had these long conversations about this. And and he had been at Cobalt for, I don't know, five or six years. and. What had happened during that five or six years is there was an economic change, right? And so the labor market fundamentally shifted. And that meant that he got hired when the labor market, there were too many people looking for jobs. And so he got hired at pure microeconomics. He got hired at X. And then later on, the labor market tightened. And so he had people who were reporting to him who were making more than he had. And like everyone knows this. It's not like people don't share salary information the same rate. And he's like, we should never do that. And I was like, okay. Great. Let's never do that. How do we never do that, right? Um, and the model, the traditional model of, of hiring most people, especially in the kind of smaller agency world, is to like, okay, I found someone that I really want, and now I'm going to pay them as little as possible to maximize my profit, because frankly, your salary is going to make up somewhere between forty and sixty, sixty-five percent of your costs, right? And so. That's a big deal. So if you can, you know, basic MBA says, we'll drop that cost as low as possible. But, but like when you do that, what happens, there's a couple things that happen when you do that. One is you start off a relationship with a new employee who you all say is your most important asset in a confrontational like relationship, which is super stupid. Imagine like you went into dating like that, right. Or, or anything like that. So it's a really, really bad first date is to, is to start off with, we're going to negotiate as, as hard as we can. Um, and so, so like that, that it, it's, just a, it's just a bad s- setup. The other thing that happens is because employees share information, like they'll learn that you treat them differently. And you basically end up treating people who are better negotiators or who are negotiating at a time when the labor market is X, Y, or Z differently right? And so okay, so now not only are we starting off on a bad foot on the first date, but like you're you're treating me differently. You're treating me worse than the other guy, right? Yeah, it's inequitable, right? It it's inherently inequitable. Inherently inequitable. And at the risk of going bleeding heart, like I want to treat my employees fairly. I think that's good business. It's also just the way I want to be. And so like the really simple obvious solution was like Everyone who has the same job, you get paid the same amount.
0: <laughs> yep, that, <laughs> like, yep, start and stop there, right? Yep, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, end podcast, cut to credits. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I feel like that's easier said than done. I, mean, I should have asked this beforehand, but just real quick, real quick to kind of like baseline set. Uh, how big is the team today? Or you know, how many? So employees we're,
1: 19, we're nineteen people. So we're still a fairly small age, I, I guess. It depends on your on your listenership, but um, we're nineteen people. Um, and it's gotten more complicated, right? Like, as you add more, more specialties and more roles, it gets harder to kind of match people into these. Oh, you're doing the same job. Well, we only have one pay-per-click expert. So, like, what does that mean? What, and so, like, how do we think about that? But, but ultimately, um, you know, one of the things that came out of this is women tend to negotiate less than men. So I don't want to I don't want to go into the whys of that. I actually don't care about the whys of that. But what happens is because of that factor, you end up treating men from a compensation perspective differently than you treat women. Right. And it was like, okay, how can we solve this problem? Oh, we're going to pay them the same, huh? By sharing what they make, right? And then they know that but like it it makes it so easy to treat people fairly by paying them the same amount for the same job. Like it, you just inculcate that, and it's and so what you do is because you're sharing the information, you have to treat people fairly. It, it it's it's self enforcing. It's so obvious to me.
0: I agree. Uh, it 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 feels so obvious. Uh, just the transparency on that regard. Well, maybe this. Maybe the question answers: Why aren't more folks doing it? Is it just, again, to your point about just, it's the most sizable piece of of, uh, agency costs and therefore you want to try and keep it as low as possible? Is it as simple as that? Why aren't more folks thinking about it this way?
1: I think there's two parts to this. One is the short-term perspective on profitability, right? Like people are really expensive right now and hiring right now is really, really hard. Right, and so there is this perspective, like, and it does have an impact on your profitability, right? Like, it it actually does. Now, my bias. So let me let me take a. It is a short term mindset to maximize your profit by minimizing the amount that you pay your employees. Okay, one hundred percent pure. That is, but like, if you have to get that into your head. Um, because it's really easy to start poaching people, right? Um, and if you're treated unfairly or underpaid, like that is going to come out quickly, and and the the cost of transition and moving, you know, when we went from Bill to Mike for this account, and they don't like Mike, but they really love Bill, like all that crap, like so that's where your profitability actually does much better having a long term perspective on this. The other thing, and this is just something that I I haven't just accepted, but I've this is gonna make me sound I, I'm I'm I don't wanna sound like I'm overselling this, but like this is this is just the way I think. We over-index on the amount of money that we pay people. Right? Like I know we pay people higher. So we use um this guy named David C. Baker who does a lot of agency benchmarking. I am a Absolute David C. Baker accolade until you meet mm-hmm. him and like if you meet him in person he's kind of a really grumpy guy, um, <laughs> but his 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 stuff is really good and I, I've used a lot of his work. One of the things that he has we use his dashboard is your the percentage of a revenue that goes towards salary, right? And he benchmarks that a good firm is at fifty five and a great firm is at forty five, right? Forty five percent. So fifty five percent of your 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 salary or of your revenue going to salary that's a good firm a great firm is at forty five percent. That's the one place where with Baker I'm like totally wrong, David. I disagree. Yeah. Right. I disagree. And I honestly, if we fail on one of his seven metrics and that metric is I pay my people too much, like Merry Christmas. Like I don't care. Like I'm a, I'm an agency owner. Like I'm doing fine. I don't need to squeeze that metric in order to maximize my income. And so that's the one place where Mm -hmm. on, on David's like seven factors we over index all the time. And yeah, you know what? Okay. So be it. Like, that's okay.
0: Now for candidates, uh, it's in their offer letter, right? That makes sense. I can imagine it's, it's fairly simplified. as to like where this, how they get that information internally, because I can imagine there's probably some benchmarks based on the seniority of the role, a level one X versus a level two. Where does that data live um, for folks to uh, examine and see and review uh, and then how often is, that's 1A, 1B is, you mentioned this earlier, the market dixt- dictates, right? And so how frequently are you revisiting those numbers, optimi- optimizing it, adjusting them? Like what does the, the maintenance of this look like beyond just the transparency behind it?
1: Sure. So um, in terms of where it lives, we so we do an annual review um, and I publish it to remind people right so like we have these and you're right we have these bands as as the agency grew this thing kind of evolved we have these bands it used to be very simplistically like a ten thousand dollar jump between levels right and so we had we started out with three levels we now have five um and it was a ten thousand dollar jump between these levels um and then one of the things that we realized is um you know, we're we're actually leveling up the type of people that we work with. And so those numbers have shifted a little bit, but we've tried to keep it consistent on those bands. The next question you had is in terms of revisiting those numbers. This isn't this is a very facile kind of explanation here, but I, I looked at it this way. There's basically two years of in, in 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 an ideal world, it's about two years of experience between these bands, right? So you start out, you know, uh, you're 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 managing accounts for the first time, and 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 after two years, you're probably a little bit better, and you can manage bigger accounts and harder accounts, and then after you know two years, you you, you kind of level up. Yeah, sure. But what I didn't want to do is artificially have this two year. Requirement, right? Like, if I go to Microsoft, I've got—I I don't know this. I'm, I'm maligning Microsoft here, but I think it's probably <laughs> close to accurate. And they're avid um, listeners of the podcast too. Totally, yeah, they listen to this all the time. But, yeah, yeah. um, like, I'm pretty sure you have to spend, you know, two years at level one R, and then you get moved up to level one S, and like. I don't know what that looks like, but there's a time element to that.
0: And you're saying I th- didn't really you're two years a to... rule of thumb, but for some it might happen faster. For some they might need a little more time. So it's like you can't just anchor so so concretely to a, a timeline.
1: Like a time. You, frame. you can't. Like and and by the way, there is value to mileage, right? There's just some stuff that you can't do and can't understand and can't get until you've had x amount of mileage but some people get more out of the mileage than others right we had this with this wonderful woman i actually don't think she ever really liked me but she was a really really great employee she was really really smart and she she came on right out of college and like within 3 months i was like this lady is incredible um and so we promoted her super super fast um and like like i think she was promoted within her first like six or seven months from like a basic non-client facing role where her job was just to learn and she ate it up and then she i put her in front of clients and she killed it and so like she moved really really fast we have other you know cl- employees is like you've hit your ceiling right and that's okay you're doing a good job at this thing i don't see you like you can spend 20 years uh, it's probably overstating it but like you, you kind of hit the ceiling and you're comfortable where you are you don't really have any aspirations to go beyond this and that's okay too right but like there, there's a ceiling here. Right. And that's, and that and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I don't really want, I don't want, I really, really did not want to tie, uh, compensation to time. Right. Um, because then you get that like useless employee that's been there for 20 years. Right. And they're making a lot of money cause they've been there for 20 years. Like, come on. Like that's dumb too. Sure. Where
0: does, uh, I think you actually alluded to this a little bit. What about like, the, the growing complexity of an org chart. I think you mentioned like, okay, yeah, we have a pay-per-click specialist or like we hired our first content marketer. Like, how do you think about anchoring them to the existing salary bands that, that you've already kind of put together?
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a really good way of making sure again. So like I talked about discriminating against men and women, but like, you're also, when you, when you have these bands, you're making sure that like, you're not overpaying your pay-per-click person. You really have to equate them to like, okay, at this role, is this as valuable as someone else who's doing X, right? And so the way we've done it is, this goes a little bit beyond this. So we have a profit share program, and you make a percentage of the profit share based on the band that you're in, right? And so... When we bring on a pay-per-click and, and at 19 people, right? We do, we do SEO, we do web dev, we do design, we do pay-per-click. So I have a lot of people who have like, you are the pay-per-click person, right? Um, and so, but, but you fit them into those bands to make sure that it makes sense, right? Like it, it forces you to have that conversation in your head. Does this person deserve to be at this level, which is the same level as X, Y, or Z? Um, and it's really, it's a really good. Well, I'll use a, a a very real example. We we brought on an office manager about a year ago, right? What should she make from a she she couldn't she couldn't code anything, right? She she and she can't manage clients except unless they don't pay us. So that's a whole different conversation. But like you can then say, okay, how valuable is we call her the HR goddess, right? Um, how valuable is she compared to everyone else? And you and you, and, and and it helps you make sure that you are recognizing and seeing and 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 appropriately allocating across function as well as within a ladder within a function
0: have you ever gotten a role placement on that kind of matrix have you ever, is there any time where you got that wrong at the first go
1: oh so this is this is beautiful um we have gotten it wrong on the low end which is weird like we have been able to attract people who limited experience and then so this is my other uh, I don't I don't even go down the like why you don't need a college degree to do this work tangent but we have certainly There's a growing people,
0: population that agrees with you I feel so, well I, I yeah, am that's, I, so that, that's the sequel episode
1: I'm not gonna even go I've got a yeah anyway um we have definitely hired people and and it happens to frequently be the doesn't have a college degree and therefore in my opinion is grossly undervalued by the market And they have come on, and there are these intangibles about people that they're intangible. You can't interview for them. You just—I can't interview for hunger. I can't interview for curiosity. I mean, I can try, but I'm going to be right at you know 50 percent, 60 percent of the time. And those people that over-index on those amazing qualities—you can't interview for that stuff. Like you just can't. So then you have someone who comes on, and we've done this very recently with two of our people. One was college degree. One was not um, different roles, but like they have taken some stuff like, like they did not understand that we were still trying to learn and they have taken it so far so fast we've done. um, And I do this as publicly as possible. We've done these, like we haven't moved bands, but we do, we do promote within a band like based on kind of achievement. So we've done, we've done five or $10,000 raises, because to move you're somebody so much... further
0: along in a particular band you're saying without an actual role change or yes. title change yep yeah. yeah like a progression because yeah.
1: you're so much better than we thought you were and you know you, you know how awesome that is like someone's been working for you for four months and they get a raise because they kick ass that is sorry i'm not sure if we're uh we're, we're podcast uh i've just i've just killed your your uh i
0: mean the title is called agency unfiltered so i think that we can definitely okay. let that one go you know
1: <laughs> Um no but like it, it's it's so um it's so amazing. You know, people come in, they kill it and everyone recognizes that and then you can recognize that in compensation very very publicly that like that's my favorite. I I, I would love that. I love that. Um the flip side is when you bring someone on, so here's the ugly side of that. When you bring someone on, it, it's you can't demote someone. You can't give them a pay cut. And so the other the other sinister ugly side of this is it actually forces you to remove people right it's one of those things i think removing people from an agency is it's awful it's painful it's terrible it means you made a mistake in hiring someone and i i've made plenty of those mistakes but it forces that function right and you can't you can't so here's another way to look at this you can't look at two people doing the same job and be like oh well, I'm only paying Mary $7,000 less than Bill and so it's kind of okay if she's kind of she's kind of doing a good job because I'm paying you can't do that. You cannot do that. And so you can't rationalize keeping on a subperforming player because they're making the same as as your rock stars, right? Um uh, I mean, So we think s- about
0: the value of this whole program or initiative or like just again like the transparency. Well, yeah, it anchors performance to expectations uh and it, it what introduces a level of accountability across you know for both sides right is that fair to it's say
1: and it's accountable i think the heart the, the 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 it's account like people are so we're so accountable to we're, we're so invested in having our employees accountable for doing their job i don't think agency owners by and large well let me let me make this a glass half full example I think agency owners will be more accountable to their employees if they adopt something like this. Put it that way.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. And actually, that is a uh, a perfect segue. In that, it sounds like you were able to to rule this out in the early days. Like, hey, this is how we should be thinking about it. This is how we should be transparent in this regard. Yeah. For folks that aren't starting tomorrow and already have an org chart, you know, however many five, ten, twenty, forty, whatever it is, what's what's your recommendations? What's your tips? Uh, on like how to, to roll this out. You know what I mean? Like how, how can I start on this path today?
1: So I think the key, and this, this, I, my gut is if we tried to implement this right now, it would be really painful because we would be treating on un- people unfairly. So the first thing that you need to do is understand the value of each of your employees. I don't know how you, how you're going to do that, but like understand the value and then, and then make sure that, 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 that those are that are giving a lot of value are within the same range right and 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 are they actually within the same range um and you're going to find like doing that is going to create a really it's a it's going to be painful because you're going to be overpaying some people you're going to be underpaying some people right and you need to the whole point of this is on the accountability side you need to understand for you for for that you don't want to be the type of agency owner that does that because equality is super super important to you and you're going to have to change people's compensation right like you're gonna like that's the whole point um and it's hard (laughs) Right? It's really, really hard to do that. It would be much easier if it was like, all right, everyone, we're gonna give everyone a raise up to you know in this group, everyone's gonna get a raise up to seventy five thousand dollars right? Oh, that's easy. but like, why weren't you paying them seventy five now right? And then you've got Murphy who's been paying you know eighty five who should be at seventy five but he's not like, you're gonna have a hard conversation with Murphy, right? like what does that look like? Um so I would inventory your people understand the value that they bring to the firm, try and put them into groups, and then see how disparate their compensation is.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good point is that the, flipping the switch on transparency is the easy part. It's making it into a place where you're actually equitably, fairly compensating performance uh, and expectations appropriately, Right, having everyone at the, where they should be. That's the tricky part. Right. Turning putting the putting the light on it is the easy part,
1: right? The light on it's easy, but but here's the funny thing. The employees know. Everyone knows who the rock stars are. Everyone knows like like you've got oh, you know, Bill, he's he's always late and he doesn't hit deadlines. Like everyone knows that. Like it's not a surprise. Um, and so why should it be a surprise that we 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 comp people Along what like like the the culture of the firm like everyone already knows you already have that feel. Yeah, that's a
0: great point. Um, going back quickly to uh, the way in which you reassess, uh, was there? And I would imagine it sounds like you know the years right in in doing this. Um, what was the most substantial change? Like the biggest jump? Like was there one that stands out? The others like man, we need a significant recalibration to the way in which we're doing this.
1: Yeah, I I think the the especially as like a 19 person agency, I think the recalibrations that become really difficult are in hiring. Like so our ladder is really built on the account management function, right? So you manage this type of account, you make X, you manage that type of account, you manage. So like, as you get more senior, like that, that just makes sense. It's easy to do, but okay. So now we've got, we've got two developers, a designer, a pay-per-click specialist, a couple you know, general marketing managers, like how do they fit in there? Right. Yeah. Um, how does that actually work? So I think um. the recalibration has been understanding Value and salary requirements for people who are outside for us the traditional account management function. Because the account management functions, it's, it's a ladder, right? You, like and and you do grow with mileage um a lot. And that's I'm trying sure to size the case. of
0: customer base, the assets under management, the complexity and the, the nature of the businesses like, you take on. Yeah, sure.
1: And and as you as you get more frankly sophisticated from a business perspective, you can handle more sophisticated businesses, right? Like that's just the way it works. Um, and mileage has a lot to do with that. Experience has a lot to do with that. Um, it's it's slotting the ones on that don't fit into that mold. Like my devs don't need to know four-fifths of anything about cost per client for my clients. Like it doesn't matter. So how do I equate them and where do they fit in? That's the recalibration where it's, where it's really, really difficult.
0: And do the... So using kind of like account management as the anchor point, it's like, okay, finding these other... Specialist roles, kind of where they fit on like the bands, but I would imagine that they also have a ladder to themselves as well, right? Both like you know, there's a band and there can be progression within. But like, what's the next step look like, and how formalized is that? Is that documented? How formalized is that documented uh, for the non-account management positions? You know what I mean? Are there level two, level threes? Like, how do you go through that whole defining process for that? You know, so
1: this is this is the way I've looked at it. I'm going to go back to that two year gap. So for me, and this is going to be super tactical. They're ten thousand dollar gaps between the bands. Okay? And it's a two-year journey to get between those bands. Okay. So in theory, after a year, you get a raise that's a third of the way between those gaps. In theory, at your, you know, and and, and then you can get an, another raise to, to get you there. What I really want are the people who are gonna go get two years worth of salary jump. In one year, right? Um, and so, what we do look at is okay, so you've been here for a while, you're doing a great and amazing job. And so, I look at these kind of one, like one third increases in that $10,000 band. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. kind of what we look like. Um, bluntly, sometimes you're like, you're coming in, you're killing it. We also do the $5,000 raise, right? But it, it really is the bands have this $10,000 Ceiling floor and ceiling to them. Yeah,
0: and then there's the, the the third of which is kind of those incremental steps that you would see. Yeah, over like the third like two year period.
1: Yep. <clears throat> so you know we get to we get to situations where it's like, okay, do I really want to not give someone a raise after two years? Like cost of living. Like I mean, we live in Seattle. Like blah blah blah. Like so, you, there is an opportunity to get better within your band and get paid better within your band, but it's not a function shift for you. From a responsibility and a value perspective, as well as from a compensation perspective.
0: Gotcha. Yep. Understood. Where does uh, competitive and like competitive analysis come into this? And like, what's like the perception of the team? Like, we love the transparency, and we love it even more so because you mentioned to your point, like, hey, I the one metric that I'm okay to be the outlier on, right, is like paying yeah. my people more. Is there competitive data that you also share to help like contextualize the the salary that that you're you're marking for your team, if that makes sense?
1: So we what we try and do is and this is really hard as a small agency, especially in a place like Seattle, where like people get snapped. I've got Microsoft. No, I keep saying Microsoft. M- Microsoft, uh there's a thing called Amazon out here, it's kind of big. Um Google's got like like so we we have definitely lost people to those places, and it's hard to comp uh, compete on those, those those salaries, right? Um we try and index At about 75% salary. Like if if you go look on salary.com or something like that, we try and index our people to be at about 75% at at the 75% level. So they're they're being paid well. And then we also have profit share and individual bonuses and stuff like that. So they should be paid. I, I believe, and it's certainly on the baker, baker metrics, like I believe we pay really, really well, but I also believe like the next question is like, what does all of this mean for the business? It means that our churn, we, we, have a, we, have a, we have a metric we call chum. It's not churn, but it's chum, which is like the leftover fish guts that you throw back into yes. the kind of sharks. Um, we call it chum, which is unwanted churn. So we have churn, but I don't care about losing a crappy client, but I do care. Like It breaks my heart when we lose a really good client. And our chum number is really, really low. Um, and part of that, so we, we, part of that is because I think we have really great people and we pay them really well so we can try and retain them. We, I was, this is like six years ago or something. Um, like I don't really believe in the mission statement thing. And I think a lot of businesses like go way too far in that kind of stuff. But I was reading some business book and I was like, ah, our mission is to, and this is what it is. We dramatically improve the lives of our employees and clients in that order through incredible, um, online marketing. Right, And the key here for me, and it's the in that order, which is parenthetical in that mission statement is, and all of my businesses are service businesses. So they know this too. The right clients know this. I'm going to treat my people amazingly well. So that trickles down to them doing a great job for their clients. right? And I, that has happened over and over again. And, we, and that shows up in really, really great retention. Um, we deliver so much more for our clients than what they actually think they're getting into when they start with us. Um, and so that's where, like, that's why I make the business case for this kind of level of transparency at the baseline.
0: Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, that's really it. Right. Low chum, high employee retention, uh, high employee happiness. Um, and then just, you know, high employee performance output success that trickles down to, to client results. Right. Yeah. That makes it. Th- Do you know what and I get it? What companies, like agencies
1: statement know that. Sorry. Say again.
0: What company's mission statement was that?
1: That was ours. Right. So I was was, was reading some, I hate mission statements. It's like this MBA thing that everyone feels good about and that like people write them later on and it makes them look like they were prescient back when they were starting the business. Like that's a bunch of garbage. I I can't remember what business book it was I was reading, but I was reading it. And like, as I was reading through it, this hit me and Oh, the Genesis
0: for years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Um, and and it was so clear to me that our that my bias was we're going to treat our employees really really well and that will have the interim effect of improving the lives of our clients as well. And I was like, okay, great. And if my cost in doing that is that we spend a little more on salary, the okay. return is going to be <laughs>
0: greater than if we didn't. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Conrad, we are pushing up on time, so I wrap every episode with one question. So I'll leave you with Go. this: uh, What is the strangest part of agency life
1: the strangest part of i i think the strangest part of agency life for me is and this this is going to sound super corny but it kind of works in with our our theme the the joy that i get from my, like i've had people and who have bought their first house right i've had clients who have bought their lake house i have had um like like I know that we are funding people's retirement, right? Um I think the stra- and it still hits you, right? Like it's like the strangest part for me is like that is so unbelievably gratifying um to see the impact that we're having in not just the employees, but also our clients in their lives. Um it's a super corny answer. And I wish I'd come up with something a little bit less corny, but like that it's just it's awesome right? Like, I, you know, I'm just a guy who created this little company by accident. And like now, all of a sudden I'm funding retirement. I'm, I'm enabling people to make their first home purchase. Um, like th- that is, sorry, this is, now I'm getting super corny. That is the American dream at a level that is that, that it's just beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Listen, uh, I agree. There's nothing wrong with ending a podcast episode with like a heartwarming note, you know, there's nothing wrong with ending there. So that's a great answer. Yes. That must feel great. Um, <laughs> Conrad, uh, thanks again for coming on. We're, we're officially out of time. Uh, always appreciate, uh, chit chatting with you. Um, so thanks for carving some time out and, uh, joining the podcast. It's been a lot of fun.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. And for everybody that has tuned in, this has been another episode of agency unfiltered.